Hi there! Welcome to Stories That Made Us. This week, we talk about the creation myths of the Creeks, Crows, and the Diegenio. They're all Native American tribes of the United States. The first story is of the Creeks, also known as the Muscogee. They are made up of several tribes that had originally lived in the states of Georgia and Alabama in the United States. They were a part of the five civilized tribes, others being Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, and Seminole. They lived a sedentary life, and their livelihoods predominantly consisted of agriculture. They were known for their disagreements with the United States government during the early years of American settlement. The 1813 war between the United States and the Red Stick faction of the Creek Nation was particularly disastrous. The Creeks were responsible for the sacking of Fort Mims, killing nearly 400 settlers. In retaliation, General Andrew Jackson defeated the Red Sticks and exacted a cessation of 23 million acres of land from the tribes. After Jackson became the president, he forcibly removed the Creeks to Oklahoma, prying them from their Native American lands in Alabama and Georgia. The tale we'll be discussing is told by Muskeke Isquo, a Creek medicine woman. It's a story of how peace and harmony first reigned between animals and humans. Eventually, human greed disrupted this harmony and caused many of the problems that we face today. The underlying belief is the sacredness of animals and the destruction and corruption brought about by humans to creation. In the very beginning, there was just the creator spirit and nothing else. No plants or animals lived in the world. This continued for a very long time. Eventually, the creator was bored with his monotonous and dull existence. Seeking amusement, he willed the sky and the earth to exist. But nothing lived or moved in the barren land, and no clouds existed in the blue sky. All was still. The spirit next sculpted the mountains, creeks, and cliffs. He fashioned the freshwater lakes and the saltwater seas. He then made the trees and plants. Afterward, he covered the land with grasses. He had made a perfect world, but there was no one to enjoy it. All the beauty was wasted with no life to appreciate this perfect creation. This is why the Creator decided to make animals. He willed and created all forms of life. The animals, birds, reptiles and fish. They were grateful for their existence and lived peacefully in the world. All had everything they wished for. The Creator had provided for all their needs. Nothing was lacking and all were happy and at peace. But soon, the animals became disgruntled. They complained to the Creator of a lack of purpose in their lives. The Creator Spirit thought about this and agreed to make something to occupy the animals' time and give them a purpose in life. He decided to provide the animals a weaker being, one who would be dependent on them for food and clothing, and would be weak 
and ignorant. The Creator thus made the first man and woman. These weaklings were purposefully made for animals to protect and teach. The animals were very excited to see the first of our ancestors. They were delighted and eager to help mankind grow. They taught people how to grow food and survive. The first of humanity then gave birth to many others, and the animals took care of the descendants as well. This is how all creation thrived for a very long time. But soon, trouble began. Humans procreated much faster than animals. Moreover, since mankind came last, they didn't have to fear for any natural prey. Thus, the human population grew larger. They became stronger and demanded more of the animals. It was only a matter of time before problems emerged. One day, a man demanded more food from an animal. It was more than his requirement. When the animal refused, the man grew angry. He refused to take no for an answer and killed the animal, crushing its skull with a rock. He then used the animal's flesh as meat and its skin as clothes. Now this man, once he got a taste of flesh and found comfort in wearing animal hide, told others about this. Humans thus began killing animals for their convenience and use. This caused tremendous disruption in the natural order of the world. When the Creator Spirit saw this, he was absolutely livid. He called an assembly of all creation. In there, he passionately chastised humans and announced that he would take all the animals to the spirit world. He would do this to keep them safe. The Creator felt this a just punishment for human transgression. He told the animals that humans cannot survive without them and would thus perish from the world. It would be a fitting end for their crimes. The animals, however, requested to remain in the world. They took pity on the foolish humans. The Creator, hearing this, relented and left animals on earth. However, to protect them, he took away the ability for humans and animals to talk to each other. He also made the animals fear humans. This is why they flee when they see us coming. The Creator made animals naturally difficult for humans to kill. Finally, to recognize the help and guidance that animals gave to our ancestors, the Spirit also instituted a totem religion, creating spirit animals who would represent humans. These animal spirits became our guides and protectors at every stage of life. This is why we should be mindful of all animals. We should never take more from them than what is necessary. This is why we should respect them. They are our guides and protectors, both on earth and in the spirit realm. This is the end of the creation myth of the Creeks. The next story is of the Crow. These Native American people are a member of the Siouan family and live predominantly on the Crow Indian Reservation in Montana. The Crow Nation originally comprised of over 38 million acres 
but it shrank to less than 2.2 million after treaties with the United States government. Their creation myth, like many Native American stories, is an earth diver tale where the world is discovered by ducks that dived underwater to find land. The story also involves a creator and a trickster. In this tale, the creator is Old Man Coyote and the trickster is Little Coyote. A long time ago, at the very beginning, there was only the Old Man Coyote. He was surrounded by water, for no land existed back then. Old Man Coyote lived in this water for a very long time. Inevitably, he was lonely. He wished for land, for upon land would bloom life. With life would come company, which he sought so desperately. But the water was very deep. Old Man Coyote could not dive down to search for land. And so, he continued living the way he did, sad and lonely. One day, he heard voices drifting across the endless current. When he turned around, he spied two dark shapes on the blue water. He overheard one of the shapes say to the other, It seems we two are the only ones in this world. It seems there is only water, and we are alone. Old Man Coyote quickly got up and began to jump and wave. I'm here as well, he shouted, trying his best to get their attention. He ran swiftly towards the two shapes. As he got closer, he noticed that there were two ducks. Happy to find others and encouraged that the ducks might help him find land, Coyote addressed the larger duck first. It was a red-headed mallard. Say, dear duck, said Coyote, could you perchance dive under the water? I would quite like to see if there is land beneath the oceans and the seas. It would be grand if any earth were to be found, for with it would come many creatures. The mallard thought upon this for a while and agreed to dive. With Coyote's blessings, and his companion's encouragement, the mallard dove deep and disappeared beneath the water. Coyote and the other duck then waited. There they remained for a very long time. But the longer they waited, the more impatient they became. What is taking him so long? wondered Old Man Coyote. I do hope my brother is safe and has not perished under water replied the other duck. The poor bird was worried as time passed. My friend has been gone too long. I fear he has drowned, quacked the bird. Coyote was worried as well, but he put up a brave face. No, he said, he will return very soon. He has to dive deep to reach the bottom of the water. It is bound to take time. And so, the two waited for the bird to surface. After a long while, the red-headed mallard came above the water. Coyote looked at the bird with excitement and hope. Did you find anything? He asked impatiently. The poor bird sighed and said, No, dear spirit, I couldn't dive to the very end of the water. 
it is too deep. All were disappointed to hear this. Now while the mallard rested, his companion came forward and stated his wish to dive. And so, with the blessing of Coyote, the other duck went in search of land. It too was gone for a very long time. Eventually, when the duck returned to the surface, it was exhausted. It panted and quacked. I dove as deep as I could, dear spirit, but I could not find the bottom. I did, however, find some greenery down below. I grasped this root before swimming back to the surface. Seeing this, the bird handed the root to Coyote. Now while this wasn't land, it was still some progress. It gave hope to the spirit and the ducks. By now, the first bird had recovered and agreed to dive again. This time, it managed to go deep enough to find earth and returned carrying a lump of mud in its webbed feet. Old Man Coyote was ecstatic. This is brilliant! He exclaimed. We can now fashion the earth. We will make a beautiful home using this mud. He patted the mallard and thanked both the birds. Coyote then took the lump of mud and breathed on it. Magically, it expanded in all four directions. It grew and grew until it formed the earth. He then took the root that was brought by the duck and planted it upon this new ground. This is how the first plants bloomed on the earth. Old Man Coyote and the ducks stared at the verdant world with wide eyes and open mouths. This truly is beautiful, he remarked. I never thought such wonders would exist, replied the ducks. Say all spirit, the first duck then quacked. Now that you have land and plants, are you satisfied with creation? What more would you wish upon the world? The man thought for a while and said, Well, dear birds, we haven't begun with creation yet. For that would have to wait. First, the world needs features. Now before they could ask what Coyote meant, he was away, working on the land. He made valleys, hills, mountains, rivers and lakes. As the old man made these, the two ducks cheered and praised his work. This bird Coyote further and he created this beautiful world that we inhabit today. He then proceeded to make life. He took some clay and first made people in his own image. He then made more ducks that resembled his friends. Afterward, when he stepped back to examine his work, he found a fatal flaw. He had, by shaping his creations as him, created only males. He quickly fashioned some females, and the people and the ducks were happy. These creations prospered and multiplied. Old Man Coyote, the creator of the world, was happy, for he had gotten his wish. He was no longer lonely. One day, as Old Man Coyote was wandering around the forest, he came across a little version of himself. He met Little Coyote. 
Where did you come from, little brother? He asked this young spirit. I don't know, big brother, little coyote replied. I'm just here. Ah, responded old man coyote. Let me then show you the world. There are trees, ducks and people here. All are happy and live a prosperous life. Everything that you see here is created by me. Little Coyote looked around and was impressed. This truly is a wonderful world that you've created, Elder Brother. But why are there only ducks and people? Surely you must have thought to make more. Old Man Coyote thought about this and found his brother's words to be true. He thus made many other animals. First came the bear, followed by the elk, deer and antelope. The bear then complained that the new animals were bored, even though Coyote had made both males and females. The male-female thing gets boring after a while, exclaimed the bear. Surely there are other ways to keep ourselves from being lonely. Coyote agreed. He thus made the prairie chicken out of the bear's claw. This bird then taught the other animals how to dance. Many, especially the birds, were happy and took to dancing with much enthusiasm. The bear, however, still complained about one thing or the other. He finally claimed that only he should be allowed to dance, for he was big, strong and majestic. This did not go well with Old Man Coyote, who chastised the bear for his arrogance. Be careful with your vanity, dear bear, Old Man Coyote warned, lest you offend the one who created you. The bear just turned his head away and spoke smugly. Nobody could have fashioned an animal as majestic as me. Surely I have created myself. This made the old man very angry. From that moment, he banished the bear. The animal since then has been forced to live away from other animals. Even today, the bear resides in dens far away. They sleep all winter to be out of the way and not complain about the weather. Now everything was well and all went about doing their own things for a while. One day, Little Coyote came up to Old Man Coyote and suggested that the people were not doing so well. They suffered under the weather and were starving as the population grew. Old Man Coyote took pity upon the humans and taught them how to make teepees and fires to keep them warm. He showed them how to use hides to cover their bare bodies. He explained to them how to hunt and fish. The spirit fashioned weapons only for the people, for they were deemed to be slower than the animals. They were unprotected by fur, feathers or claws. Little Coyote then suggested that people were too congregated in one country. He said that they would hunt all animals and birds in the region if mankind did not spread out. Old Man Coyote agreed to this, but found it hard to convince the people to move. Nobody wished to leave their friends and families behind.
Finally, Little Coyote devised a plan to make people seek newer pastures and shores. He asked Old Man Coyote to give mankind different languages, so they would end up misunderstanding one another. Those with the same language banded together and formed tribes. This is why we see so many Native American tribes on the continent. Now some people would thrive as warriors, while others would do terrible things and become thieves. This is how some men became heroes and chiefs, while others became robbers and thieves. The final story is of the Diegenio. Also known as San Diegenio, they are a group of Native Americans who originally lived on either side of the Mexican and United States border, comprising of Californian and Baya Californian lands. They were named after the mission of San Diego. The coastal tribes people mostly lived on fish and mollusks, while the inland Diegenios engaged in agriculture. They were known for their handicrafts and made wonderful pottery and weaved beautiful baskets. This is their story of our origin. In the beginning, there was no earth or land. There was nothing except large swathes of salt water. Two brothers lived under this water. The oldest of the two was Chaipakomat. Both brothers had to keep their eyes closed, for salt water would blind them. When they were fully grown, the elder decided to go above the surface of the water to see how the world looked. But when he went up and looked at the world, he could see nothing but water. Meanwhile, the younger brother, not wishing to be left behind, chose to come up as well. He, however, opened his eyes before he had fully emerged from the water. He was thus blinded. When he got to the surface, he could see nothing at all. Disappointed, he went back and resided under the water. That is where he lives till today. Chaipakamat, in the meantime, had made little red ants. They filled the water's surface as they stuck together and floated. Their bodies were so thick that upon their backs emerged land. Chaipakamat then created blackbirds with flat bills. Back then, there was no sun or light. Soon, the birds were lost, for they could not find directions and thus could not return home. Chaipakamat thus realized the need for light. He then took three kinds of clay, red, yellow and black. With them, he fashioned a round flat disc. This he took in his hand and threw into the sky. There it remained and began to emit a dim light. It became the moon. The light, however, was so poor that Chaipakamat's creatures could not see very far. Thus, the creator had to try again. This time he took some more clay and made another flat round disc, one that was bigger than the moon. This he tossed up to the other side of the sky. The light emanating from it was bright. This is how the sun came to be.
Jayapakumar then took some light-colored clay and from this he made the first man. He then took the man's rib and from it fashioned the first woman. Their children became the first humans to occupy the land and were called the Ipai. They lived in the east atop a great mountain called Vikami. Their spirits live atop the mountain even today. If you were to go there now, you would hear them singing in all kinds of languages. If you put your ear to the ground, you will hear the sound of their footsteps. This is caused by the spirits of all the dead ancestors. Our spirits go back to the mountain when we die. There, they dance around the fire just as they do in their mortal lives. This, after all, is the place where everything was created first. And this is the place where everything goes after they die. Now, a big serpent called Mahayavit lived in the ocean to the west. This ocean is called the Pacific today. He too had the powers of the Creator, but he used these powers for evil. He had swallowed all wisdom and knowledge. All the arts that better our world was inside this monster's body. The art of singing, dancing, basket making, and many more. This snake lived in the islands named Wickerwool. Some say they are the Coronado Islands on the northwest coast of Mexico today. One time, the people wished to hold an image ceremony for which they made a wukaruk, the ceremonial house. But they did not know what else to do, for the serpent Mahayawit had taken their abilities. They could neither dance nor make speeches. Now among the tribesmen, there lived a medicine man. He knew more than the others. He told his people to do more than to just build the Wukaruk. He convinced them to find Mahayavit and to request him to give back the arts. Unfortunately, another sea monster, Shamil Kotat, scoured the waters back then. Any tribesman who was chosen to go to Mahayavit was swallowed by this monster. Inevitably, it fell upon the medicine man to seek out the serpent. With his magic, he turned to a bubble and floated above the water, heading towards Vikawul. When Shamil Kotat saw the bubble, he swallowed it nevertheless. Now inside the stomach of the large monster, the medicine man returned to his original form. He first went north, but could not find a way out. He then went to the other three directions, but alas, there was no way for him to escape. Undeterred, he raised his hand above his head and willed a flint. Magically, there appeared a large piece of blue flint. With the stone, he fashioned a knife and cut a hole through the monster. This is how the medicine man escaped Shamelkotat. He then resumed his journey and got to the island where Mahayawit lived. The serpent resided in a big circular house with a door on the top. 
When Medicine Man went closer to its home, the snake called out, asking, Who are you? Who comes to my house? Medicine Man replied calmly, It is I, the uncle of all men. What do you want? Then asked the serpent. I came over from Wikami, replied the man. There atop the mountain, we made a wukaruk for a ceremony. But our people do not know how to sing or dance, for all the arts have been swallowed by you. The snake thought about this and replied, All right, I will come and teach your men the arts. You go ahead and get them ready. I will follow shortly. So the medicine man went back. The giant serpent came after him, slithering from one mountain top to another. It left a giant white streak over the land as it went. You can still see this today, for this is how the snow-covered peaks of the Sierra Nevada mountain range came to be. Back in the village, the medicine man had told the people of his journey. On his advice, they had cleared a large space for the serpent. When Mahayavit arrived, the snake went straight to the Wukiruk. First, the monstrous serpent put its head inside. Then it slowly began to pull the rest of its body. It coiled and coiled, but there was no end to the gigantic tail. Meanwhile, the people outside were afraid of the serpent's size. They were worried that it might attack and kill them all. Seeing Mahayavit trapped inside the Wukiruk, they threw fire on the ceremonial house. The serpent was thus burned to death. Upon its demise, the body burst open. All the arts, wisdom and knowledge that it had swallowed thus came flying out as the monster died. Each tribe got one thing or the other. That is why one tribe excels in the wildcat dance, while the other is proficient in crafting beautiful baskets. Some people received the art of the shamans. Others became great orators and leaders. But such proficient men are few. The serpent's charred body formed the white ridge near the Colorado River. Its head is the black mountain nearby. Now back atop the mountain Wikami, people lived together for a while. But soon they were unhappy, for different men and tribes had different gifts. No wonder that jealousy was rife. All people thus decided to scatter in different directions. This is how many tribes came to be. That's all for this episode. If you like the stories, please subscribe. Listen to the tales of the origin of other tribes, cultures and civilizations in the previous episodes. If you have any comments, advice or feedback, please reach out to us. Our Twitter and Instagram handle is at stories thdmdeus. That's at stories thdmdeus. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus 
at gmail.com. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.